Hello, this is Ricky Jones with another edition of the podcast from Sunday to Monday. From Sunday to Monday is the podcast where we try to make the sermons you hear on Sunday morning just as practical and as applicable to Monday and the rest of your week as possible. We do that by taking your questions and answering them and trying to show you how the principles of the gospel apply to your daily life. It's that time of year again. It's August, and that's when I preach sermons here at River Oaks that are based on uh, questions that I get uh, sent in to me every year. We uh, This year, I ran a poll on Facebook, and the first topic that people wanted to hear the most about was the Holy Spirit. So I preached a sermon Sunday on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and then I took questions. So what I would like to do for you now is to play you the audio from those questions. You'll hear me reading the questions and then uh, giving my best shot at an answer. This is recorded Sunday morning at River Oaks Presbyterian Church uh, during both worship services. I hope you enjoy them. Thank you. If you have any questions, as always, please send them to info at riveroakstulsa.com. That email address is info at riveroakstulsa.com. Thank you. We're warned uh, not to grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, and how do we know if it has occurred? Um, that's a great question. We are told that. I think Paul talks about that. I'm not, I can't remember the reference, but he, uh, you know, remember I, I talked about communing with the Holy Spirit. That that we have a responsibility, and I think this is a really great uh, picture of that. When we let go of Him. When we turn away from him, uh, it makes he grieves us. He's sad about it. Uh, I, I can't. I'm sorry. I hate constantly use parenting analogies, but uh, you know, when when you're a parent and you see your child making bad decisions, you're sad. You're like, why? Why would you do that? Don't do that. Uh, you're 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 choosing death instead of life. You're you're choosing self-destructive. Uh, behaviors. Don't do that. So that's, that is how, in the same way, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm a feast of righteousness and life. I am the source of life for you. Why are you running away from me? Why are you running away? Uh, you know that you've done it if you've sinned. And, um, and whenever you consciously choose the path of sin, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's not something that you do like accidentally, you know, the, you might not think about it for a while. Usually what we'll do is deaden our conscience and then go do something, but, uh, you don't accidentally grieve him. You know, it's, it's, it's a very self-conscious thing. Like when David sinned with Bathsheba, he knew he grieved Holy Spirit. He, he knew uh, that he needed to, to ask to receive the Holy Spirit again. So it, I think sometimes... There's a, there's a type of personality that um, settles on questions that can't be answered. And so sometimes people are really worried that they've committed the sin that is unto death or they've grieved the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know, you're not, you won't do that secretly. God's not like that. <laughs> he doesn't just kind of go to all this trouble to save you and then all of a sudden like, and I'm not going to tell you if you fall off in a pit. You know, that's, that's not how it works. Second, what is the difference between the Holy Spirit and conscience? 
That's a great question. Sometimes the Holy Spirit works with our conscience. Sometimes he works uh, without it. Sometimes it's a complete shock to us. Um, The difference is the Holy Spirit is always uh, right. Sometimes people's conscience grieves them when they're doing something that's wrong. I I don't know if uh, we used to have to read Huckleberry Finn. I don't know if y'all still have to read that. But, you know, in Huckleberry Finn, he always felt his conscience was clean whenever he turned uh, Jim into, you know, to the, the... when he decided that, that the slave Jim needed to go back to being a slave. You know, his, his conscience was, was ill-informed. And so even though he was doing something good in helping Jim, he thought he was doing something bad. So sometimes your conscience uh, will make you feel like you're doing something that is wrong even when you're not. And that, that's one way that, that, that it's different. The Holy Spirit is always in conjunction with uh, Jesus He's always in conjunction with uh, the Word of God, and he's going to use the Word of God to, to convict you of sin. And I am going to preach on uh, this great text, uh, this, this question in, in fullness in, uh, I think, three weeks. Basically, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit the whole month of August, but uh, the, one of the questions y'all asked the most was, how do you know the difference between um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit and a, and a shameful conscience, essentially. And that's a great question. So I'll, I'm going to talk more about that in a few weeks. Next, Jesus said in John 16, he still had many things to say to us. Was he referring to the Bible, which had not yet been written, the teachings of the church, personal revelation given by the Holy Spirit, or all of the above? Um, he is, uh, that's a great question. Let me take a second and answer this correctly. Uh, because not all of the above, not personal revelation given by the Holy Spirit. That's the only one I would take out of that. What I would say is he was referring to, A, the Bible, the, all the apostolic teachings. Just think of everything we did not understand yet at the end of the Gospels. Everything the Apostle Paul teaches us about why Jesus had to die, how his sin takes away, I mean, his death takes away our sin, uh, about the spirit of adoption and us becoming children of God, um, you know, about uh, the, the love of Christ that, that is flowing into us, about all of those things that the apostles did not get it at all, right? And so, uh, you know, what, one way to think about the New Testament is the Gospels is the work of Christ, and then the, the, the epistles, everything that comes after the book of, of John, is the explanation of the work of Christ. And so uh, that, that is a, the, the, the truckload that Jesus is talking about, the many things, uh, just all the things about heaven we wouldn't know without revelation, and, and just all those things we wouldn't have known without the Holy Spirit te- talking through the apostles. And then he's continued to speak, through the church, working together to understand the Bible. So, uh, you know, it took the church 300 years to figure out the Trinity. That was the Holy Spirit leading the church, at work in the church, revealing that. If he had tried to speak that to the apostles, they would have been just utterly confused. It would have never worked. Um, But the, the truth was always there. They just didn't get it, and it took... You know, 300 years to figure out that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that the Trinity is uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, same as us, substance, equal in power and glory. It took, took hundreds of years to, of wrestling with the truth of Scripture to find those things. And that's all uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit being at work uh, in our lives and in the life of the church. Uh, that's why the, the, you know, 
It's important to be in the church because the church is where the Holy Spirit is at work. Personal revelations, um, the reason why I say it's not one of those is when, when, when the Holy Spirit is at wake in you making personal revelations, um, that's not something new. Like the Holy Spirit's not going to say something to you that he hasn't said to everybody else. Uh, when, you know, when Joseph Smith says, oh, I found the secret revelation of God, like, that's not true. Uh, that's, that's not a personal revelation. Um, what he will do is he illuminates things that, that he's already presented, right? The truth that's already there, but you haven't seen it. Uh, Holy Spirit will illuminate that truth and make it clear to you. Uh, he also will, will guide you and lead you through uh, his ordinary... Uh, providence and those kind of things. Kind of hard to get into that in depth. But uh, it's just important that we clarify illuminating truths that are already there and distinguish that from God just completely revealing new things. Uh, and so that's why I would say that's not, not all of the above, but two or three of those things. Last question. Uh, can Holy Spirit... Um, yeah, I'm not answering that one. Yes. Can the Holy Spirit give us power to do the... See, I can see the next two questions up there, and you can. Can the Holy Spirit give us power to do the supernatural? Uh, he can. He probably won't. Um, and what I mean by that is um, one of the dangers in reading the Bible is reading these extraordinary cases and making them ordinary. Uh, so the book of Acts is full of extraordinary cases. And the reason why God was doing that, you have to remember how big of an epic shift it is for God to say, okay, up until now I've been saying, you know, one God, it's still one God, but that person who walked along beside you, that was him. I mean, that's just a massive shift. the, The Jews couldn't possibly get that. And so God gave his apostles these signs to confirm in the, to the church, to confirm to the Jews, no, really, God's in this. That, that's why those, those healings were important. And those, uh, those things still happen, I, I believe, whenever the gospel is going to a place that it's never been before. Uh, so when people are doing... Uh, uh, John Most has a friend who, who's dedicating his life to doing ministry with the Muslims, and he says... Um, you know, the, the way he does it, the gospel sometimes is he'll go to someone and say, the Holy Quran says that only God can give a miracle, so let's pray for a miracle. And if it comes, it has to come from God. But I'm going to pray for it through Jesus' name. So if we get a miracle, then you're going to know that Jesus is God. I think God's gracious and does that sometimes. Uh, but there's, there's a purpose to it. He's not just going to kind of give you, um, or, you know, the power to pick a car up as much as you may want to, right? Like if there's a child under it, you're going to be praying. That's, I don't know, that's a stupid example. Please pretend like I didn't say that. Um, that's just not ordinary. Uh, there's a difference between the extraordinary of God affirming something special in the, in the truth of the gospel and the ordinary. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he was talking to Timothy, who was having strong trouble problems, uh, stomach problems, um, which, you know, dysentery was a huge problem in those days when water wasn't clean. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't say, put your hands on your stomach and, and call out to the Lord to cast out the dysentery. He said, drink wine instead of water, and it'll, it'll kill the, the germs. 
drink a little wine for your stomach. Uh, there's, that's the ordinary way of healing, not the, the extraordinary. How do you respond to those who claim that Christians who are filled with the Spirit all speak in tongues and are more spiritual than those who don't? Well, the first way to respond is to say, um, I love you, but I disagree. Uh, I think every Christian is filled with the Spirit. Uh, you're not, you wouldn't be a Christian if you weren't born again. That's John chapter 3, very clearly. Um, what is going on there, the, the, the misunderstanding, I believe, there, is that they're, they're taking this example of, of the Holy Spirit's signs in Acts chapter 2 through 7, and uh, they're making those normal. Now, the re- we have to ask ourselves the reason why God gave those signs. Those signs were confirming that God is in this. It was absolutely inconceivable to the Jews that God would become a person who would die for them to, for them to be saved. That was just as contrary as anything they could have imagined. And so God sent the Holy Spirit in very uh, definite, visible terms where they could see it. Uh, they weren't, even the tongues they spoke in weren't kind of mysterious, uninterpretable tongues. What, what it means is there were people there from Ethiopia and they heard the gospel in Ethiopia. And like Peter would preach and there were people from all nations in front of him and they all heard him in their own language. That was a miracle. That was a confirmation of what was happening. It's not, uh, not the glossolalia that, that, that's practiced today. So, um, but that was God confirming that he was doing something uh, different and special and that you should listen to this. Um, so that's, I say all that just so I, I don't want you to feel like you're missing out, right? You're not. You have the full gifting and, and embodiment of the Holy Spirit. I'm not interested in like giving you equipment to go argue with people. So don't do that. That's not helpful. But um, I just want you to know you're not missing anything. Next question. You said when you raise your fists at God, that's the absence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I knew that somebody was going to ask about that one. That's probably my son. Is a person not able to be fr- Yes, you're completely able. Yes, that's, yes. I'm, that, that was too simplistic of a comment. So sometimes you're going to be frustrated and angry. Uh, ultimately, Holy Spirit will win in a Christian's life and you will ultimately submit to Whatever my God ordains is right. Pretty much every psalm starts out with Jesus, I mean, with David being angry about something and then getting to the point of going, okay, I see that you're right. So, yes, uh, uh, if you never get to that point, then that's probably a sign of of the Holy Spirit being lacking. Um, Sorry. I knew the second I said that, I was like, that's not, people are going to be mad about that one. Uh, the, the Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Is it merely commanding us to be filled by the Spirit? Can you clarify what it means to be filled? Yeah, uh, well, it's interesting that that picture of, of not being drunk with wine goes all the way back to the very first outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, when the, the apostles start speaking and, and having these utterances and speaking in different languages and just being extremely joyful. And, and the people in the marketplace are looking at them going, these guys are drunk. 
And Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning, which I think is pretty funny. Um, but there is this, there's a, there's a parallel between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're drunk, I hear, uh, with alcohol, you don't, you're not, you don't feel like you're in control of your faculties. You say things that you wouldn't otherwise say. You do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. In the same way, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you say good things that you wouldn't already say, normally say, and you do things that you wouldn't normally do. And, and by being filled with the Spirit, uh, it is it's this. Remember that, that picture I tried to give you? You're, you're, you're grabbing back. You're grabbing back. You're giving him, him, uh, you're giving him um, room to work uh, in your life. You're putting yourself under his, you're submitting yourself to his work so that you have... Um, he has room to work in your life. I, uh, we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks, but um, yeah, you're, you're, you're opening yourself up to it. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who's ever felt this, but there have been times when I just really wanted to sin and I just kind of felt, I feel myself just kind of hardening my heart going, I don't care right now. I just want to go do this. You know, I know I shouldn't say that, but I just want to say it. I think it's going to feel good and it never does, Right. That's not being filled with the Spirit. That's emptying yourself. Again, I don't, I don't think it's a big surprise. And again, I don't, there's just this tendency. I think there's this false belief out there that if you were just filled with the Holy Spirit, everything would be easy. And so there's this feeling on behalf of a lot of Christians that since it's not easy, I must not be filled with the Spirit. And that's, that's just not the case. Um, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and it was not easy. He was lonely. He was angry. He was tired. He was disappointed. He was broken. And he does, yeah. So next, next, this next one's a good question. Yeah, got plenty of time. If the Holy Spirit will lead Christians into truth, why are there so many views on Scripture? Well, um, the primary reason for that is, I'm assuming you're, you're, you're talking about different views among believing Christians, and that's the way the Holy Spirit has led us into truth. Uh, the way the Holy Spirit has led us in the truth is through various people in the church uh, looking at different truths. The Bible's big, and, and the context of your life is big. And there are certain things that you're just not going to see without someone else um, in telling you what it means. For instance, a great, a great example is uh, you know, Christians in the Confederate South looked at all the places where the Bible talked about slavery and said, see, slavery's okay. Um, and they needed someone else who also believed in the Bible. These were people who believed the Bible, right? But they needed people who also believed the Bible to come and say, no, that's not the same slavery. Those two, you're, you're applying this completely in a wrong way. That's not the way it, it works. And there's just, you're not going to see things outside of your own point of view without someone else telling you. Like, I just can't see things any other way than the way Ricky sees them. That's how I see them. And so that, that's how the Holy Spirit has been leading the Christians in all truth. He's been leading the church throughout the centuries. That's why it took 300 years to figure out what it means that Jesus is fully God, fully man, two distinct natures in one person forever. And to know that the Trinity is, took 400 years to figure out, you know, Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Three distinct uh, persons, one God, equal the same in substance, equal in power and truth. It took lots, just years of, of debating 
godly, faithful men and women saying, no, this is, I think this is what the Scripture means. No, I think this is what it means. That's, that's what's going on in the PCA right now. We're, we're looking at, um, we're all submitting to the Scriptures, but we're looking at this passage, you know, these passages in Timothy and other places uh, where the word deaconess shows up in Scripture. It just does. And we're trying to decide, well, what does that mean? Does that mean we should have female deacons? Is it an office? Were they ordained? Because only men were ordained as deacons. What, does it just, is it just a general word that means servant? And any, any person who's serving the church is a deaconess? We don't know, right? We're all trying to just kind of come together. And that's the way the Holy Spirit does it. He, he brings different people from different uh, experiences together so they, they can find the truth. Um, I, he could have done it some other way. That's the way he did it. Last question. Does Holy Spirit convict the whole world, including the non-elect, as verse 8 seems to read? Does that mean that the Spirit provides a restraint from the whole world being consumed by evil? Uh, The second half of that sentence is true, but that's not what that means. Um, What uh, the Holy Spirit convicting... John uses the word world the way... The Old Testament uses the word Gentiles as people who are against God. Um, you know, God so loved the world. It doesn't mean he loved like the planet, but he loved people who were against him so much that he gave his own son for them. And so it's, it's, what it means is that people are going to get converted. He's going to convict people in the world of their sin and, and bring them to Christ. Um, God, the Holy Spirit is at work in everyone, restraining them from evil and working all of his will to his own good pleasure so that the church will survive forever and ever, even using um, unbelievers like he did in the Old Testament with Cyrus, the Persian, coming and bringing uh, deliverance for the Israelites. And in the New Testament, I mean, in in our modern-day times uh, when he has used uh, unbelieving generals from various nations to win important wars that none of no illustrations are coming to my mind about. But, um, you know, when he used doctors to come up with vaccines, that was a work of the Holy Spirit, even if they didn't give him the glory for it. So, all right, that was fun. We'll do it again next week. Same place, same location, same time. Please stand for uh, God's word, sending the Holy Spirit out with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to smile upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace both now and forever. Amen.